Today on the show, we're talking about financial vulnerability. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host Trevor, and today we're talking about the concept of financial vulnerability. So financial vulnerability, I, I think a lot of people, like when I was younger, I thought it, it's something I was going to grow out of, or it, it was temporary, you know, once I reach a, reach a certain age or plateau in life, I could put that behind me, and I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. But now that I'm 50, I know that I've got a lot of years left, but I've come to realize that financial vulnerability isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. It, it evolves through your life. It, it looks different at different stages of your life, but it's always there. It's always lurking in the background. And what I think in this episode, we're going to reveal that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I already feel super unsettled. I mean, the concept of vulnerability is something that we always shy away from. And if you listen to a few weeks ago, we recorded an episode and Trevor just shook my whole entire world when he revealed, I made the assumption that he no longer feels financial vulnerability because of his age and where he is in his life. And Trevor, you shook my whole world when you you said that, you know, I still experience financial vulnerability, but to different um, extremes or levels than I did at different phases of my life. So, so life is really just, uh, you're trading one set of worries for another. If, if you're seeking a place of safety and security, and I think uh, as humans, we naturally want safety and security. It's on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. I think it's number one, if I'm not mistaken, or it's maybe, I think it's number two. So we are wired, we are pre-wired to want safety and security, and vulnerability is the enemy of safety and security. So it's it's not it's our nature to gravitate toward it. But if you want to, if you want a life of opportunity, you're going to have to accept vulnerability. They come as a match set. So when you say opportunity, would you not instead say that everyone is apt or going to experience vulnerability? whether or not you are living the most cautious, the most safe financial life? Well, here's, the, here's the, your first brush with vulnerability. We're going to talk about this later in the episode, but as, as long as you're on your, your parents' payroll, meaning they're covering all your life expenses and putting a roof over your head, you really don't have any vulnerability in your life. If, if your parents are insulating you from reality, it, it just seems awesome. <laughs> <laughs> don't, ha- don't know how to describe it. It's awesome. awesome. So when you go to college or university and you, you pick a, a, a area of study and you successfully study it and you, you're just about to graduate and all of a sudden you're starting to think about, I got to find a job in the field I studied or this is all a waste. And then you start to feel vulnerable. Like maybe you're not going to get a job in the area you studied or maybe you know, there's too many people that studied the same thing and, and, and there's too many people wanting the same job. You start to feel vulnerable that, that your education may have been a waste. So that vulnerability shows up. For me, it showed up right then and there. Yeah, and, and that is a moment I'm sure a lot of individuals listening to this episode today can relate to. So so if you don't pursue an opportunity in life, if, if you just, just say you land... Okay, you get that first job and you just stay working for the same place and you you never pursue any other opportunities, you never pursue a promotion within the same organization, you never pursue opportunity, 
you will be insulating yourself from vulnerability to some degree, but at some point you're going to look like a, uh, not a go-getter. You're, you're going to look like a very complacent person. And then at some point you will feel vulnerable because of the complacency that if, if you're wise enough to see that you're a complacent person and you've done the same job in the same company for the last 20 years, then you will start to feel vulnerable that, you know, if I lose this job, a future employer might look at me as complacent and that will inhibit my ability to get a job. So it's really this very fine line, this balancing act where we embrace vulnerability, we take that, those calculated risks versus living this very complacent life. It's, it's, it's really this continuum and you slide along it, finding that maybe space you're most comfortable in. Well, I've spent the 50 years of my life trying to mitigate vulnerability, trying to minimize it, trying to eliminate it. I've tried to fight vulnerability <laughs> my entire life. And I've come to realize, and through reading some books, and I actually watched a very brilliant TED Talk by Brene Brown about vulnerability, and that's kind of the, the birth of this episode. It really got the, the wheels turning in my head and thinking. And I've been trying to, you know, sort of suppress vulnerability or beat it my entire life, and I've come to realize it's here to stay. Just learn to embrace it. And, and at the end, we, we got I have four points where we talk about how vulnerability actually serves you. And that that is the part of this episode I am very, very excited for. We, I want to I wanna go on to define vulner, vulnerability. But before we get to that, you said something interesting. And it spoke to how you try your best to avoid vulnerability. Do you think that the, an individual's characteristics or personality is going to sway them either to be more comfortable with vulnerability uh, as opposed to less vulnerable. I know we kind of, there's type A and type B personalities. There, there's kind of a bunch of ways you can like, look at that. But do you think that plays a role at all? So I think somebody who's a, re- a real uh, cautious person, the things that they, that appear vulnerable to them are, are the, the, the risk taker would look at and say, that's not, you, you shouldn't, that, don't be afraid of that. That's not vulnerability at all. I, I think you, the risk taker and the cautious person they they suffer or are exposed to the same level of vulnerability in their own worlds. So, but from one person's perspective to the other, you know, the, the risk taker looking at the cautious person, they don't see vulnerability at all. And the cautious person looking at the risk taker sees insane vulnerability, but in their own minds, the, the, the vulnerability exists equally. So what I'm gathering is that it's just simply a matter of perception, but that our level of vulnerability is pretty much constant from person to person. I, I think w- what happens for me and, and people I've, I've spoke with is people will be exposed. You know, they'll feel vulnerable to a given situation and they will not like it. They will put in a safeguard in place to sort of suppress that that feeling and then they will their vulnerability level will drop but then they will see threats that they didn't see before because they they solved sort of a more basic problem so now i think we're always it's a built-in thing where we're always looking for threats in our lives and, and and wondering what we're vulnerable to 
It sounds like it's a, a, a thing that really makes us human. I, th- I think so. And it, that's why I, I, I'm very, I, I burn through a lot of energy trying to, you know, suppress that emotion. And I, I, after, I, I wish I would have read and listened to and watched the things I have and, and gained this knowledge earlier in life. That vulnerability is, is here to stay embrace it. I love that. So I I wanted to find vulnerability. But before that, I'm just going to run through the core topics we're going to be talking about in this episode. So after we define vulnerability, we're going to talk about the signs that you might be feeling financially vulnerable. So what to look out for and how to identify those feelings and know that it's related to feeling financially vulnerable. We're going to talk about the financial vulnerability cycle And then we're going to move on to talking about vulnerability through stages of our lives. And I think this part is super, super important to understanding how vulnerability affects us throughout our entire life. And we're going to conclude with Trevor's four ways that vulnerability actually serves us. So first, Trevor, how would you define vulnerability? Uh, and, and, And is this a definition that applies just for financial vulnerability or just vulnerability in general? Well, I couldn't find a definitive definition for financial vulnerability, but when I talked to Mr. Google <laughs> about just the definition of vulnerability, it's it's capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. That that is the 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 de- the sort of universal definition I could find on vulnerability. So, not not being physically or emotionally wounded, but capable, meaning you're in a position to be physically or emotionally wounded is vulnerability. So often it shows up as the illusion of I could be physically or emotionally wounded. And and what I'm getting from this, so the word capable, the word what if, all those kind of might not happen but could happen statements are, they're the death of us. We, we all know that living in that space can be very dangerous. But what, what, I'm, what I'm getting from this definition and anyone who's ever um, been in business or heard of a SWOT analysis, that's something that an organization will go through to try to mitigate the risk just existing in the uh, financial, environmental, sociological uh, space, business space. And what I'm what I'm taking from this, Trevor, is that with so SWAT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it sounds like, from your perspective at least, that you do everything you can to mitigate the vulnerability you may feel, um, and 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 come to a realization about your strengths and your weaknesses, and and are fully understanding of what those are, and 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 work to again mitigate those. But what is I think it kills us is the the opportunities and threats, the things that are external to us that we maybe don't always have control over. Well, one of the things I, 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 I we're going to talk about is the delusion of control. So I have a mantra I repeat to myself to help me through trying times, and it's surrender to the delusion of control. And that's me saying to myself, I'm trying to control the outcome of every possible situation by analyzing all the possible inputs and how they might affect the outcome. And you can exhaust yourself trying to cover every base and, and think that you can control outcomes that you, you have absolutely no control over. And I'm sure, as you probably have realized, it's 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 nearly impossible to cover all those bases because there are, again, a lot of external variables that you can't predict. Now, I do want to say there is people, there, there are people out there who are financially vulnerable. They are literally financially vulnerable. They're in a position where 
They are on the financial edge. They don't know if they're going to make their rent. They don't know if they're going to eat tomorrow. These people are financially vulnerable or or people who have made a, a string of bad financial decisions and they're standing in the door of payday loans and they're, they're, they're walking through that door. They, they are, are financially vulnerable. You know, if, if, if I could stand outside of every payday loan and convince the person not to go in because these people are just crooks, I, I, I would, but there is people who are financially vulnerable. They're, their lack of knowledge, their bad string of decisions. They're, they're in a bad place and they are vulnerable to people preying on them to, to profit from their weak position. I think that that's a really great point to, to bring up is the fact that vulnerability is real in, in certain senses. And, and I'm guessing it kind of, to to contrast that the the way like you said to mitigate your vulner- financial vulnerability is to simply um, kind of practice all of the the principles that we we talk about here on the show. But this show is really about the 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 illusion that that you are financially vulnerable. Like people trying to mi- minimize or mitigate their financial their their vulnerable position when really you're not at the financial edge and and you're not vulnerable you're just trying to sort of put yourself in a padded room so you don't get hurt in any possible way like living living in a big bubble it's it's not realistic so i want to talk about the signs that we may feel or be experiencing that indicates we're in that space where again we are feeling financially vulnerable so there's four signs that we can be aware of um number one is just a sense of anxiety so this one is where a bunch of problem financial problems are stacking up all at the same time and th- this should create anxiety in fact if it doesn't there's something broken here <laughs> you, you you should be stressed out and you should be feeling vulnerable again this is an emotion that is working for you you feel vulnerable if you're suffering from a lot of anxiety and you feel financially vulnerable that is your your emotions telling you to do something to fix this, right? So that anxiety and that financial vulnerability is your friend. If you ignore it, things will get worse. But at, at the same time, we all know that we could probably feel that feeling a little bit too strong and a little bit maybe too extremely to be beneficial for us. Yes, and but there's probably just as many people that ignore it, uh, you know, early on had they listened to their and felt that that emotion of vulnerability and the anxiety, they might be in a better place sooner. And and this, the feeling of anxiety, the feeling of anxiousness, of, of worry definitely isn't a positive emotion. So it's understandable that one may simply want to brush it away, ignore it, tuck it in the back of their brain and not think about it. So so I agree with, with what you said there. And this one generally requires action. If you're feeling anxiety and and financial vulnerability and the the added emotion is anxiety this typically requires action on your part you know it, you, you need to do something to resolve this the next sign that you might be feeling financial financial vulnerability is the feeling of fear so these are kind of going in order so f- the feeling of fear is is this is now you're perceiving potential outcomes 
potential financial outcomes and the negative ones are making you feel vulnerable, right? You don't like those ones. There's a potential this could play out this way. It could also play out favorably, but a situation could play out unfavorably and it's creating fear. Well, fear is your friend. You know, maybe there's something you can do to mitigate uh, the bad outcome. And so that, that, that vulnerability coupled with fear is you need to listen to that. That's telling you something. It doesn't necessarily, it's not like anxiety. It doesn't typically, doesn't necessarily require action. It just might require a different thought process. But it, it, again, it's, it's fear is, is a tool we are born with that, that helps us navigate and make decisions. Tell, fear is your friend. In, in, when, with financial vulnerability, I, I think it's important to listen to your fear. Can this emotion, though, go unchecked, really be detrimental to us in the fact that we may um, kind of put up all of the walls and barriers to not let that floodgate of uh, financial vulnerability in when, at times, being a little bit more financial vulnerability could be a, to a benefit of us? Well, I think the thing is you, you, you're fearful of something and it, it, it's a trigger to, again, coupled with uh, vulnerability, it's something you, you need to listen to. It doesn't necessarily require action. The third sign you may be feeling financially vulnerable is a feeling of uncertainty about the future. And this one, this one is super common. So again, this is getting further away from reality. This, this is you speculating about the future. So this is events that have not occurred yet. So it might not occur. It might not occur, right? You're, 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 you're thinking about the future and you know, it's just say you have a half million dollar mortgage and, and you're, you're worried interest rates might go up. And, and so you, you, you say, if that does, I could lose my house. You're vulnerable to that situation, right? You feel that vulnerability. And I, I think I spend, so there's kind of two school people who worry, who, who are dwell in the past are in de- depressed and people that dwell in the future are anxious. And neither of those are great places. The golden retriever lives in the moment. <laughs> that, that, that's the mind space we all covet, right? Is the, 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 the moment. And I, I think if, if you're suffering from this, you really just need to, you're, you're too future focused. I mean, it, it's going to destroy you. You will feel vulnerable for reasons that may never actually come to fruition. And I'm, but I'm sure giving up this this worry about uncertainty for the future is easier said than done. And this kind of goes back to what you're saying about a surrender to the delusion of control and that you can't always control the future and the future outcome. That's what this point really reminds me of. But you can do things like mitigate your 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 risk, right? You you can do things like the example I gave you, if you have a half million dollar mortgage and you think interest rates might go up by one and a half percent, what you could, you know, ramp up your payments and, and try to get your mortgage paid down quicker. That, that's something you could do. You, you could sell your house and, and move to a less expensive house. If, if it's something, if you think you might not even be able to renew that mortgage. So you're, you could do things to mitigate your future, to reduce that vulnerability, but it's never going to go away. And the final sign that you may be feeling financially vulnerable is the feeling that you lack knowledge or that you possess a lack of knowledge. 
So this one is the easiest one solved. I mean, you just educate yourself, you know, reach out to people who are experts in the field and get uh, schooled on whatever it is you think you're missing. So for instance, I want to retire early. Well, you wonder if you're going to run out of money. You're going to wonder if you have enough money. So going to talk to a financial planner who who has worked with you know hundreds if not thousands of clients and seen their retirement play out and, and understands what they started with and, and how they spent their retirement, they have a database of, of hundreds of clients to draw upon in, in, in real life examples to how, how it works. So if you're lacking the knowledge, you can go to experts and, and get get that missing piece, right? Rather than just be vulnerable to the lack of knowledge and hope it works out, you you can, again, minimize your feeling of vulnerability by by getting the the information, if not through educating yourself, by consulting an expert. So what I love about these four signs that indicate we may be feeling financially vulnerable is it's simply the the awareness that we are feeling these things. It reminds me of um, certain meditations where, w- when you're meditating, if a thought comes into your mind, you're supposed to in, in some in some strands of meditation just kind of bring the thought in, accept it, um, acknowledge it, and then let it float out of your mind again. And just being aware that these are are things you may feel and linking it to the feeling of financial vulnerability. I think that's that's powerful. I I think if you are suffering from the, any of these four with regularity, then the vulnerability that you have in your life, it may not be perceived, but it may be real. Ooh, if, that's a great point. If these are hanging around and, and you're going through these four signs of vulnerability on a regular basis or they're in your life every time you sort of, you know, you turn the lights off <laughs> and the, the, the mind starts racing with these things, it could be real vulnerability is in your life and you need to deal with, you need to, to mitigate or minimize that situation. But my question for you is that we, if we do tend to worry or, or have anxiety or, or fear about things, we're more susceptible to kind of those feelings. What if we, we, we perceive things that aren't actually real and, and we kind of internalize that financial vulnerability a little bit stronger when maybe we don't have to, or maybe the financial vulnerability isn't there. Well, quite often you need to talk to somebody, you know, someone close to you, maybe even a professional to, to work through these issues. I mean, we're not a psychology podcast, but uh, first, if these feelings are always around regarding finances, I, I would really look at my financial picture and say, am I truly in a vulnerable situation in any aspect of my life? You know, am I overextended on, on my, my, uh, debt? Am I, uh, is my career path really solid? Like is my job at risk? Look at, at all the financial aspects of your life and say, is there true vulnerability here or is it just perceived? I like that. I like that a lot. So really just digging deep and looking to see if those thoughts are actually real and if they're not just just kind of don't don't let the financial vulnerability thoughts take over you. I I love that. And you're not going to you're not going to actually come get to the answer, you know, is it real or perceived inside your own head. I, you really need to talk to somebody, right? I I don't think you're going to 
I mean, you you can get caught up in your own own mind and and convince yourself that you you have a real problem. You take some dramatic steps, and it's so excessive that it doesn't make any sense to somebody on the outside looking looking in at your problem. So, I just think I would I would talk to a friend, family member, or professional to say, you know, does this financial does this financial picture? If you can't make sense of it, you you need some ex outside help. So you earlier mentioned, I, I want to go back to this, the, how you said your, your mantra is that you surrender to the delusion of control. So this is, it's a powerful, powerful mantra, but at, at what point did, did you adopt this and how, how has it helped you in kind of moving through and understanding and accepting financial vulnerability is a feeling you will feel? I guess I've come to the conclusion that, I, I kind of have these four phases of life. You, you start your career, you, you've got your, your, your sort of um, asset acquisition stage, and then say the, the tail end of your working career, and then retirement. Well, I'm stepping into the retirement world very shortly, and I'm not seeing this financial vulnerability going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> so I've come to realize that that it's here to stay. But you know, I'm just trading one set of work worries for investment worries and on and on. But I've come to realize that it's it's my constant desire to control the outcome of every possible scenario. The delusion that I could actually do that. I could actually, you know, control how life plays out in every aspect that's exhausting work yeah. to tell you firsthand. And so I I have come up with this mantra recently to, to surrender to the delusion and control that I can actually control this outcome. Because one thing you do is if you believe you can control outcomes that you that you in actual fact can't, it's very discouraging and, and depressing when when you you think you did all these things, took all these steps and all these precautions, and it still didn't play out in your favor that's very disheartening and, and it, it can take its toll on you time after time. So I, I come up with this mantra and I, my wife whispers it in my ear often, <laughs> you know, I surrender. Bet she does. cause she'll see me start to get worked up over something and she'll say, surrender to the delusion of control. <laughs> so it, I, I've been, I'm going to say I've been working on this mantra for at least a year, maybe a little bit longer. So I, I want to move in now to talking about the financial vulnerability cycle. I'm really curious to, to hear about this and, and how the cycle works. And it, it goes along with you, you, uh, you have uh, in, uh, written down here that uh, that financial vulnerability is really about this kind of up and down process. And it's, it's silk, cyclical and it's just this, this ever evolving thing. And I think that alone, that concept that there is no constant, there is no reliability in that it literally just it, it, it's it's constantly changing the the situation and and maybe our the extent to which we feel financially vulnerable so there's no kind of baseline I mean there is a baseline to a sense but it, there's just no stability when it comes to talking about the subject and and how we how financial vulnerable vulnerable we feel so here's a cycle I just sort of walk you through visual here so just picture you've identified uh an area of your life where you feel financially vulnerable, like just say your your car broke down and you didn't have an emergency fund, so you use credit to fix your car. So now you feel vulnerable in that 
if something else goes wrong, you've sort of maxed out your credit fixing your car, you're, you're kind of screwed, right? So you put a safeguard in place by building an emergency fund. So, so now you've kind of countered that feeling of vulnerability with an emergency fund. So the next time something goes wrong, you've got cash to solve it. So now you actually end up identifying less damaging vulnerabilities in your life but you treat them with the same level of intensity or you feel just as vulnerable and you then put a safeguard in to solve those problems and and, and just say you're you're renting a place and the landlord says you know every every couple of months he's saying he's going to sell this place and you might have to find somewhere else to live so you end up buying a house so you you sort of you, you get tired of dealing with that vulnerability every couple of months that you might, you know, be ha- have to find a place to live because your landlord's going to sell the property and, and you end up buying a house. And, and so th- then you've got another set of vulnerabilities that go with, with owning the house. It, but, but those problems don't look like problems compared to the renter, right? They look like, I'd love to have those problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what, if you keep the cycle going, you end up solving these trivial first world problems that somebody who's starting out in life, they're going to just, you know, throw up in their mouths when they hear you talk about your, your trivial little problem, like your air conditioner stopped working. Well, you know, I don't even have air conditioning. So, you know, that, that, so this cycle is, it just perpetuates itself. And if you don't see it, you get caught up in the middle of it. And this vulnerability, you end up feeling vulnerable for the, the tr- most trivial, insignificant things. So it's important to, to, to revisit those four signs that you, you're feeling vulnerability and just really lock it into reality and say, you know, is this something that I, I've just made up? Because I think we're wired to really, if you're wired to be concerned with your financial vulnerabilities, you will just look for threats in your life all day long. That's all you'll, you'll look for. You, you, there's, a, there's other people who are just wired to see opportunities, and I'm envious of those people. For me, all I look for is is financial threats. And, and I, once I solve one and, and put a safeguard in place and think, okay, uh, no more financial vulnerability, another one will appear, a more trivial one, but it shows up and I go, oh, I don't like that feeling of that anymore. I want I want to destroy that, that feeling of vulnerability. And you put something else in place. You end up buying insurance for... Uh, a, a charging cable <laughs> at Staples. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's the kind of thing, or how many people have bought a, a laptop from Staples and bought the the extended warranty so you could, they always say this, you could get the batteries replaced, uh, you know, two years from now, no charge. Nobody's ever got those batteries replaced. I, I got, actually, I got insurance for my MacBook charging cable because it, it died freakishly freakishly early on me. So I did. I did it to come once. And did you ever <laughs> sort of cash in on that insurance policy? I, I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and like I, I bought this uh, external hard drive and they did a hard sell on the extended warranty. And I thought, well, you know, the, I think it was $80. The information on it would be more traumatic of a loss than the $80 hard drive itself. So I'll, I'll pass on the insurance. You know, <laughs> the whole idea of a external hard drive is to back up your data. It's not the 80 bucks that's concerning me. 
No, and and it is true. Whether and it has like that's a great example because me buying the insurance for my my charging cable that was me being very hurt or, or not hurt but upset that I because they're not exactly like they're not super expensive they're not really really expensive but they're not super super cheap to buy either so that was me just just reacting just reacting out of emotion and out of probably fear to that no this is staples playing on your vulnerabilities oh yeah and, and we don't think it's it's so subconscious so you you actually had them all. You had the anxiety, the fear, the uncertainty of the future, and a lack of knowledge of how long this thing actually lasts. And over the most trivial thing. And, and, and that just really illustrates how easy it is to not lose our mind, but just lose perception of, of would you say what really matters or just what's important like how, what would you say that when we got caught up in in certain things that maybe are more trivial than than other things well it's hard to say what really matters so if i'm going in to buy an external hard drive i am feeling vulnerable obviously my computer is doing something that's making me nervous right right and so i'm already going out and doing a cautious thing buying this external hard drive the people in the store have been trained to prey on that vulnerability and say, well, we can squeeze a few extra bucks out of this person because they're feeling anxiety, fear, uncertainty, and lack of knowledge. We could squeeze some extended warranty out of these, this guy, right? He's, he's obviously, and so with your, 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 your cable, like nobody wants to, your laptop dies. You need a charging cable, right? You got to plug it in. They're playing on that vulnerability. I, I don't know that they sell extended war- warranties on everything, but the, the thing that you're buying, you you can't be without it. That cable for charging your MacBook, or else you have a ex- a really expensive paperweight. So yeah, so these are this is you in a vulnerable moment, and this is marketing preying on that and, and exploiting your vulnerability. Yeah, and and th- that alone is is something worth talking about. Is how if if we are, don't keep that financial vulnerability in check it can it can cost us it really can because it, it happens like you said it's very very unnoticed subliminal level where it just sneaks in and and you you don't even realize that you uh you've been affected until you walk out with like 5 years extended warranty on on a cable well just the thing i'm never going to be beat by this charging cable again i'm i'm buying a new one, I'm gonna Take buy the heavy one, and I'm gonna put a warranty on it. You know, I'm never being, you know, and that's you trying to eliminate the vulnerability of not being able to charge your computer. Yeah, and it it can it can get. I mean, if you if you take that mentality with everything in your life or every every experience, it just it'll it'll run away from you. A, a common one, and it's a requirement, but life insurance is is a is a a financial vulnerability. People who who have dependents, they they that they're supporting, and the, the, these ch- children, you know, a family, they're they're counting on you to bring home a paycheck every week, and so you go buy life insurance because, again, you need it. But I know every time I've got life insurance, I felt they were trying to oversell me on life insurance. I felt they were trying to sell me on way more life insurance than I needed. My family was going to live pretty good <laughs> in the untimely event that I I, I have a, a bad an early ending in life. My family is going to make out pretty good based on what you know. I was three times I had purchased life insurance, 
and they, the upsell was insane. I and I didn't fall victim to it, but again, it's a vulnerable moment. Like you're you're going to get life insurance because you feel exposed, you feel vulnerable, financially vulnerable, and it, it it's unfortunate, but these organizations that are there to cash in on that vulnerability. Oh, for sure. So I, I want to move now on to talking about vulnerability through the stages of our life. And this episode in this section, like I mentioned in the beginning, was really inspired, one, by the the um, incredible TED Talk uh, by Brene Brown, which we will link in the show notes, but also by my realization that Trevor is still still faces vulnerability in the same way that someone like myself uh, in the beginning of my working career in that stage is still feeling vulnerability as well. So before we dive into this, Trevor, I have a question for you. Do you think you would have loved to be in the position you are now in right now, five years ago? Oh, absolutely. I I would have done anything to be where I am right now, five years ago. So I'm so if I'm saying I'm feeling financially vulnerable now, then imagine how vulnerable I, I would have felt five years ago, right? I, I was putting kids through post-secondary education. I had all the expenses to go along with that. And, and so I, I would have killed to be where I'm today. But in saying that, I still feel this financial vulnerability. Which which kind of proves that it is simply, simply perspective. And it's a good kind of check-in, I think, to look where you are now and then under and just always keep looking kind of five years back so let's let's dive into these stages of of our life where vulnerability peaks through so we've broken it down into four main stages these are kind of stages where big life changes happen and that maybe present new financial vulnerabilities that enter our life so we have the beginning of our working career as the first stage middle the middle years of our working career the end of our working career and retirement years trevor uh, before we even dive uh, kind of get into the beginning of our working career why did we divide the stages into kind of they're, they're all positioned around working well they are and they aren't so i i, I mentioned at the beginning of the show you, you don't really feel the vulnerability as long as you're on the payroll of your parents meaning they're 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 financing your life they're putting a roof over your head food on the table I would think you have no financial vulnerability or, or, or very little in your life uh, prior to to getting your first job and, and paying your own bills. And I, I broke it down this way because I this is I kind of reflected back and when I listened to that Brittany Brown TED Talk and I kind of reflected back on my life and I, again, this is a personal finance podcast. I wanted to put a money spin on it and I thought, why did I feel, why did my vulnerability, it, it changed at, at these plateaus in life. And I, I felt vulnerable in different ways. And I was, I was able to, again, I wish I hadn't spent so much energy doing this, but I was able to minimize the feeling of vulnerability in, with, in different ways uh, through these stages. So, and, and I mentioned retirement in that I haven't retired yet, but I'm already seeing some things that I will feel vulnerable about in retirement. I'm the list is short compared to the other ones because I've I've lived them, but the retirement one I, I'm yet to to experience. So I, I can't speak about that in a whole lot of context. 
So let's let's talk first about the beginning of our working career. So this is the stage of life that I can identify with, and there's different uh, so different areas within this this section, um, first stage of our life when when we're talking about beginning of our working career. So. When you start your working career, if you went to school, if it was specialized education, you, you're going to feel that your education maybe wasn't enough or, or it was too specific or it, was, it wasn't specific enough. You know, so you got sort of a general education or very specialized and it's hard to find jobs in it. And those, you can see either extreme, you're going to kind of feel vulnerable to finding job opportunities. So I, I don't know if you've experienced that one yourself, Courtney. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason I, I went back to school after finishing university. I, I went to college to get even more specialized experience. So uh, this one, 100%, um, it actually was real because I, I, I wasn't getting the traction within my uh, fields. And, and with that education, I actually did get a job within my field. But that is 100% real. And then job experience is the next one. It, it, being a worker career, it seems like you never have enough experience or the right experience and you feel vulnerable like i have a theory about resumes so tell me if you think this a resume you would only believe this if you were my age so you might not relate (laughs) but a resume is one of two things it's either a list of all the things you hope to never do again (laughs) or it's a whole bunch of things that you hope one day you'll be capable of doing So it's, it's rarely anything in between. Oh, I love that. I love that. So if you think of job experience early in your career, it's all the things you hope to one day do, but you have zero experience doing it, right? So job experience, and so you feel vulnerable to that. So if I, if I lose my current job and I already think my education's too general or too specific, I don't have the, the the very specific job experience. Like every job I look at, it, it, it's it's something I, I'm lacking, right? So you feel vulnerable because you feel vulnerable to finding another job. But for so you, you lost, that's not anything you're going to experience. No. So late in life, that's, that's not a concern or a vulnerability you feel. So the, and and then the other one would be specialized workplace skills. So if you get into a larger organization, the quite often uh, a, a, a company will have its uh, computer systems and you kind of get trained or learn how to use it by gosh and golly, meaning it's just trial and error. There's no official training. So if you're working for a company and you don't get any sort of specialized training on specialized software, you kind of learn it sort of in a haphazard way you will feel vulnerable again that somebody else knows that skill better than you. So that vulnerability early in your work career, it it it's there. It shows up in so many ways, but the vulnerability is there and you're hoping, okay, when I get to be like 35 years old, this will all be behind me. I won't feel vulnerable anymore. I'll have that's all the it, skills. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it's good to know that it's not true. Well, it isn't, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'd be nice to know that it, it it would go away, but I, I think what I'm trying to tell the listeners here is you will have financial vulnerability feelings in your life all the time. I know I keep repeating myself, but I'm trying to hammer this point home. So, so you're telling me that as I'm going to call you a master in your fields, you, I know you work very closely with Excel uh, in being in the corporate finance world. 
and but so you're telling me that even maybe within that program or within what you do you're still you're still are you're still learning and expanding and and that never goes away no 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 I, I don't experience these vulnerabilities at my stage of working so this this is beginning in your working career but I it sounds like to me, though, that you maybe increased your knowledge within that area to kind of maybe mitigate that vulnerability when you're in that stage of your working career. And and, and maybe that's why it's not one for you. Well, yeah. So it's like I've gained knowledge, experience, and upgraded my skills, all those things. That was me mitigating the feeling of vulnerability, trying to eliminate it. So so I I did all these things to reduce the feeling of vulnerability early in my working career. I started working toward that. And, and lastly, before we move on to the middle years of education, there's also networking connections as a way that uh, vulnerability comes to play. So in a, in a large organization, it always seems that the, you know, if you're looking for promotions and opportunities in a large organization, it always seems that you're sort of one level or one tier down the org chart, the organizational chart, you're one sort of level too far away to, to, to network with the people that could make a difference in your career. And, and, the, and those people, if you could get close to them, you, you, would, you could improve your chances to, to get promoted and pro- progress through an organization. But you can't, just the way large organizations are organized, you just don't get the opportunity or the time with those people so you can't sort of eliminate that feeling of vulnerability because you can't make those connections. Yeah, no, those and those all rings very, very true of someone in that stage and someone and like yourself, you were in that stage at one point. So now it's been a while since I was at that stage, but can you think of any that, you know, that things that make you feel vulnerable early in your working career? And it doesn't have to be work-related it can be outside of work too, right? It could be... I, one thing One thing that's plaguing me at the moment, a real life example, is the the kind of the earning potential side of things. And it, I find it, it really meshes in with education, job experience and skills in that um, the question I'm always asking myself is, am I, am I, do I have enough of the education, enough job experience? Am I acquiring enough skills that will um, help me increase my earning potential as I, as I get older and, and, and I and advance to kind of future, future jobs. I, so I'm not sure how that vulnerability comes into play, but I know that the, I guess the vulnerability that I, I, yeah, I, I won't make more um, or it, it kind of make more money in the sense of increasing my earning potential. So you're kind of feeling that time is passing you by and you're feeling vulnerable that, that, that things are expiring. Yeah, yeah, in a sense, in a sense, yes. And so from my perspective, I, I look at the, you at your age, I think you got nothing but time, right? You, you got all the time in the world. I feel like I have a, a, a more limited, I, I, I do have a more limited amount of time. And someone who's retired would look at me and say, you got nothing but time, right? So it's all perspective, I guess. Oh, 100%. Let's, let's talk about the middle years now. And, and these are kind of the core of our, of our working careers, I would say. And there's a lot of things that come into play here. So this, is, this has less to do with work and more to do with all your financial responsibilities that tend to show up in the middle years of your working career. And I tie it back to work in that 
So you end up getting additional financial responsibilities. When you're moving into your late 30s, early 40s, you tend to own a house or you're buying a house. The bank owns more of it than you do. You maybe have a car you borrowed money for, which you should never do. <laughs> Another show. Um, and you have dependents in your life. You know, you, you might have children, right? And, and, and so losing your job, you, 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 you've gained, you've got the education, you've got the job experience, you, you've got the workplace skills, you've, you've, you're in the right place in the org chart, you've got all the network, networking connections, but the stakes are so, so much higher that if you were to lose your job, which is less likely now because you've built up this great resume and this, this great goodwill with your organization, but losing your job, it, it, it could be catastrophic. So you feel vulnerable, more vulnerable to a job loss. I mean, if you lost your job when you were starting out, it, it, this sounds crazy, but there's nothing the world can take away from you when you're starting out, right? You're renting a place. Maybe you don't even own a car. You, 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 worst case, you go back to being a student, like adopting a student lifestyle. But if you are, uh, have a family and you've got a, a house and a mortgage and car payments, you feel very vulnerable, but for different reasons. Can you can see the evolution? Oh, definitely. And this discussing even the middle years, the stage above the stage I'm currently in, it just it even gives perspective to where I am now. And, and the fact that while my reality, it, it is my reality, I don't have dependence. I don't have stakes that are higher, which is included within the middle year section. For you, Trevor, with with this middle years, did this, I mean, I, I obviously I, I don't have a family to support, but how how heavily and how vulnerable did he feel? And, I, and I'm relating this back to as well that um, we, we've talked about this on the show before, but you moved your family to a small town where there's really kind of a handful of employers. So did that exacerbate how vulnerable you felt? So I moved from the city to a small town and a really good paying job. And it's, it's really, it's, it's sort of a one horse town. It's the only opportunity in town. And I had a, uh, my wife was a stay-at-home mom. I had three kids and a golden retriever. <laughs> and uh, I, so I was a single-income family. You want to talk about vulnerability. Yeah. You know, if, if there was just a hint that, um, you know, the economy is slowing down, I was terrified, right? Because like, so, I, again, I had uh, a very marketable skill, but I was going to have to relocate my whole family to get another job. I And I... Funny, I had the blinders on. I didn't see that when I moved here. I just saw opportunity. Wow. I never, and because I'd always been in the city and the opportunities are just falling from the sky in the city, right? And then I moved to a small town. I never lived in a small town before. And I never, I can't believe I didn't see it. Like I was so blind to it. And the feeling of vulnerability, like that new vulnerability of, of I would have to relocate my whole family. They're all, you know, they started school and that would be a terrible thing to, I mean, it happens, but it would be not ideal to move your kids while they're in school. I, I, I and I finally reached the point where I, I just went numb to it and it, I, I, I ignored <laughs> it, <laughs> but it, it was, uh, uh, it weighed on me all the time, that vulnerability. And that's when in my life I really wanted to squash vulnerability. 
I wanted to, to defeat vulnerability. And I took all sorts of very cautious actions in life because I, one thing, for instance, I didn't pursue promotions in the organization I worked. I, I, I did promotions, but not dramatic promotions. I, I think I, I, I turned down opportunities where, where opportunities were presented to me because it, it just looked too risky. I was going to become more vulnerable in that position. So that's an example how, how that vulnerability, I, I, I tried to mitigate it by not taking opportunities. And, and I, I think I look back with a little regret. So a couple of things from there. One, I absolutely love that strategy of whether you meant to or not in the moment, but seeking, if you feel vulnerable, seeking opportunity to just small little tiny opportunities to mitigate that vulnerability within maybe what feels like a very vulnerable situation. So I love that, first of all. Second of all, now that you are, and we're going to talk about it next, but now that you're in the end of your working career stage of your life, in hindsight, looking back, you did say that you maybe wish you did take more uh, calculated risks or more more promotions within your, your career. However, is that is that all said in hindsight? And also in hindsight, would you have made the same decision to uh, move your family to a small town? I'm, I'm asking this out of, of curiosity for both myself and maybe our listeners who are juggling this at the same kind of question right now in their lives. As much as I love the small town I'm in, and, and I, I always talk about, you know, getting yourself into a low cost area to live is a great way to build wealth. Looking back, I, I probably wouldn't have. It was, it worked out, but looking back, I, I was really taking a chance. So I think that vulnerability I was feeling was not perceived. It was real. It, it was, it was a, a one employer town and I, I would have needed to relocate. I, I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would, if I had to replay that, I don't think I would have did it. So kind of a, a follow-up question to that then is, you would have so by not moving to that small town you definitely would have mitigated a lot of the vulnerability you were feeling but to kind of piggyback off the previous statement that you made about passing up promotions that that's a very fine line to walk and is it is it only in hindsight again that you're seeing all of this or or did you at all experience or realize this in the moment so here i went I got uh, education, so I would not be. Uh, so I could always find gainful employment. So I, I I went to college, got an education, became a CPA. I wanted to be employable. I wanted a, a very marketable skill, so I could always get a job. And then, what did I do? I went and traded all that that certainty in for. I moved to a small town, so. The one thing I went to school for and got an education for, one of the reasons was so I would never be at the mercy of a single employer. If I didn't like working conditions, I could just find another job. I, I pulled in my driveway left today, I could go right tomorrow, and I had a very marketable skill. I, I could always find work in the city. And what did I do? I moved to a small town. I took that off the table. I, I can't, and again, I can't believe I didn't see that. I, I was just drawn to this quaint small town. I said, oh, wouldn't that be great to live there? <laughs> and I and I moved there, like, ca- I didn't know I was throwing caution to the wind when I did it. So I believe 
that vulnerability I felt in those middle years of my working career, they were real. They were real. Now, when my wife finally, you know, all the kids were launched and my wife went back out into the workforce, I took, I, I didn't realize the weight I was carrying on my shoulders as a single family income. And it just, it, it's it like, it just, I, I felt like I, I'd taken 50 pounds off my shoulders overnight. And in a sense, uh, two final things before we do move on to the, uh, the, the next stage, you with your with your wife also having marketable skills uh, to to contribute to the household's earning income. I mean, that was another way that you were kind of working to mitigate your vulnerabilities is knowing that there were there was more space to to earn income, which is which is powerful. And the second thing is, when you were in your position, your career in the middle years, is there anything you did within within your job there to help make you? more marketable, more desirable to, to stay employed there by your employer? Was there any, was there any kind of thing that you did at a micro level to, to really, it may be in your mind, mitigate the vulnerability? Well, you know, I talk about workplace skills in, in the beginning of your working career as, as a way to minimize vulnerability. So I, where I work, there's a computer system. I, I made it my mission to become a system expert on that system and I made it my mission to become an expert as quickly as possible. I wanted to look as indispensable as humanly possible to mitigate the feeling of vulnerability as quickly as I could. And, that, and I, that's what I did. I became a system expert, not in just the finance area, in, in every aspect of the system. I, I, I would ask questions and, and make notes whenever possible. And I, I to this day, I, I'm, I think I'm looked at as somewhat of a system expert and I, I wear it as a badge of honor and I did it to mitigate risk. I love that. Just in it, again, that's nice, not an easy way, but that is a way to, to kind of alleviate some of, some of that vulnerability we could feel. Uh, let's move on now to talking about the end of our working career. So this is where you are right now, right before we get to our last stage, which is retirement year. So what are some of the vulnerabilities that exist within the end of our working career stage and some that you're experiencing maybe right now? So remember, I'm not, at this point, I, I still have not, I, I've just recently given up on the, the theory that I could eliminate the feeling of financial vulnerability. So at the end of my working career, you, you tend to be uh, at your highest earning level. And quite often, I'm not saying across the board, but you tend to be a little less productive. You know, your productivity goes down a little bit. You've been fighting the same fight for so many years you kind of don't get excited about problems as they come up because you've seen this problem before and it it tends to resolve itself. And and the vulnerability is when you try to just say you got laid off, you know, for whatever reason, your job was eliminated or they found someone younger and faster and they somehow replaced you with them. Trying to find a job when your age starts with a five, you know, you're 50 something, you would think with all that experience, you'd be more employable. But the, what I've heard from people who have lost their jobs in their 50s is it's really hard to find a job in that same field in your 50s. It, it's a, a good paying job. It's it's really hard to find. You For some reason, you are less employable in, in, in the later stages of your career. So I I pursued early financial independence in anticipation of this I, I, I seen people in their late stages of their career lose their jobs 
and talk to them and, and find out the their struggles. And so I, I didn't want that vulnerability at that stage. So I said, I am going to be financially independent by 55 and I won't have to suffer that vulnerability in my late working career. And I can honestly say I don't feel very vulnerable because I, I'm soon going to be financially independent and I I could work if I wanted to. It turns out I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire for a, a time. I might get bored and find work again. But but I, if I decided to keep on working, I will have eliminated that, that feeling of vulnerability by becoming financially independent. Uh Am I glad I did it? I, I guess I am because now I have options. But I, once I retire, I now I'm going to try to make uh, my investment income last uh, an unusually long length of time. So now we move into the retirement years. The vulnerability, you just trade one set of worries for another. Now I I, I believe I'm going to be vulnerable to you know market financial market conditions maybe also health concerns. So your your vulnerability never seems to go away. So I'm still very kind of in awe. A light bulb moment went off when, when you're talking about how the whole strategy, your whole strategy about retiring early, becoming fin- financially independent earlier than the traditional age of 65 is actually one big, huge financial vulnerability mitigation strategy. And was that the plan going in or did you just... Is that just subconsciously maybe where you you headed because of your diversion to uh, vulnerability? Well, I, I'd mentioned in, I think, an earlier podcast that I really came to that conclusion in my, around the age 30, which is kind of in your middle years of your working career. And I, I guess I was tiring of feeling vulnerable. And I, I that's when I, that was one of the, the factors that I was going to, you, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be financially independent at a, at a relatively young age was, I, I guess, to to think I could avoid that vulnerability. And, and understanding, kind of working through your personal employment history in that the in the middle years were especially vulnerable due to the addition of something that was actually real. It really makes sense kind of your motivation that was a real real motivation to to want to become as fi- financially independent as soon as possible and not rely on the income that that job provided in that small in your small town but think about all my so never once did i ever i've never been unemployed in 31 years i've never been out of a job i i i've never i i've always thought i've been paid well or uh, above average for, for what I do, like, like I've never suffered. Um, like none of these vulnerabilities ever came true. None of them ever stopped me. Like at the beginning of my working career, it turns out I had just the right amount of education and I, I ended up acquiring just the amount of, just the right amount of job experience. Cause I, I got another job. And in my middle years, I, I did have all those additional financial responsibilities but but I never did lose my job in those middle years, so so the vulnerability never, like my concerns never transpired, and then here I'm in the end of my working career, and I'm not being sort of replaced because I'm at a higher wage. So so none of my concerns, none of the things I felt vulnerable for, ever played out. So 
It's not like I needed this. It's not like it worked out. Just that vulnerability was, oh, I, I felt this financial vulnerability, but uh, sort of darkness never did dawn my doorstep. So two questions to that. One, does that realization now at all impact the anxiety you may kind of hold within you as you move into the retirement years of your life? So somebody said to me this with this one thing. They said, so if you could get yourself into a position to retire at age 55, you must have made a whole bunch of really good decisions throughout your life. What are the chances that you're going to, you know, become stupid overnight and make a bunch of train wreck decisions and ruin yourself financially. What are the chances that's going to happen? And, you know, it's a question worth asking yourself. I've never been unemployed in 30 years. I've obviously figured out what it takes to keep a job and I've never been wondering where my next meal is going to come from. So I've always, I've figured out how to be resourceful enough to make a living. And, and, and so I would say to our listeners, Ask yourself, like, how many times has has darkness dawned your doorstep? Like, if things have historically worked out for you in the past, I got to think they're going to historically work out for you in the future. Did me feeling financially vulnerable help perpetuate that? I think it did. I think that that vulnerability kept me motivated to make the right decisions, not to not take too much risk. I, th- I think that the vulnerability was my friend all along the way. That's powerful. I I love that. I absolutely love that. I want to move now on to the final section, the most exciting section of this episode. And we're going to talk about how vulnerability actually serves us. Trevor, you've put together a list of four ways that vulnerability can actually be our friend. Number one is it's not something that you should try to defeat. You should embrace it. It's a built-in protection. And so this is kind of what I, ju- I was just saying, that, that I think that vulnerability, me, I, I took just the right amount of precaution trying to, re- to eliminate the vulnerability. But I, this is what I wish. I wish I knew I couldn't get rid of it. I just had to manage it. And I, it turns out I did manage it, but I was working with the dream that I could eliminate it or that it, one day it was going to go away. So that that's what I... I want the listener to take away from here is it's not going to go away and you don't want it to go away. It's there to protect you. It's there so you don't do crazy things or leave yourself exposed. Vulnerability is your friend. Because I can imagine that if you aren't listening listening to the the signs that we talked about earlier, when we we may feel vulnerable, that we could just be knocked off our feet and caught so off guard and exposed when when anything like that happens. Oh yeah, and if if you don't pay att- if if you don't acknowledge the vulnerability and do things to mitigate it, then I, I think you you do expose yourself to to risk and and probably negative impact. And and when we're talking about this point specifically, what really jumps to mind is is the idea that fear, fear of maybe job loss, fear of failure, uh, all those kind of vulnerable emotions can drive us to thrive and excel within our job. And it sounds like um, maybe that's not that's not probably exactly what drove you to become an expert in certain things within your uh, particular workplace. But do you think if you didn't feel vulnerable, if you stayed if you played it extra safe and, and, and didn't 
take it didn't didn't make any kind of radical decisions or or moves that would make you even more vulnerable do you think you would have thrived as much in your career so one thing you said there is so so vulnerability is what it stops you from being getting comfortable and i think that's your enemy is is getting comfortable that's when you are you're in trouble vulnerability keeps you feeling uncomfortable so you do push yourself so you do get those extra skills so you do do that that extra bit or take that extra precaution the minute you get comfortable like when you get comfortable racking up consumer debt because nothing's gone wrong when you do it you you should feel vulnerable when you're when you have excessive debt not if you feel comfortable with that then bad things are going to happen so I think vulnerability is is kind of another word for discomfort. And discomfort is what moves you from the current place you are. That like just just talking about that, it's I I go back to the using the word unsettling. I mean, right now we are pro, like propagating that you should you should want to feel discomfort. I mean, that it, it just it feels so backwards because we as human like human beings, we we try everything to 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 mitigate the, that that uncomfortable feeling we, we 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 it's just not something we gravitate towards so to say that we should be going against what feels natural and normal is it just it just feels wrong so the second way that vulnerability serves us it is is that it exposes your vulnerability and it'll show the world who you really are so if you if you mask your vulnerability if you have family and friends who are close to you and you share with them, you know, the, what keeps you up at night or what concerns you, then I, I think people get to know what makes you tick. They really get to understand you. I mean, if you tell somebody, hey, I like chocolate ice cream and I like uh, cher- uh, cherries, you know, my favorite fruit, you, you tell them all the things you like in the world, they'll learn something about you. But if you tell them, a, you know, a close friend or family member, your concerns in life, I think they really get to know you. And so if you share your vulnerabilities with the people that are closest to you, then they can quite often help you. They, they, but by, by them really knowing who you are and what makes you tick, and more importantly, what keeps you up at night, what, what weighs on your mind, those people are your support system. They're going to they're gonna tell you, oh, that, that's a perceived vulnerability. That's not real. That doesn't happen to anybody. You know, by sharing that with the world, you can learn a lot about yourself. And in the same breath, power in numbers. I, I know a lot of the time we may feel like we are the only person fighting this fight, but I think just even reviewing the stages of our life and the vulnerabilities we feel within that, that's just, it's just illuminating to the fact that maybe everyone listening to this is nodding their head saying, yes, I've been in that stage. I am in that stage. I will be in that stage. And it's just empowering and comforting to know that those are all vulnerabilities we will or might or have already experienced. I remember once where I, where I work again, it's, it's like a one employer town in the middle of nowhere. And I remember talking, I, I'd been working there for maybe a year, a year and a half. And I remember talking to a coworker and it was the economy had taken a bit of a downturn and, and they were doing some layoffs and I was getting really nervous. And I remember saying to a coworker and I, look back with embarrassment of saying, wow, if, if I lose this job, I'm screwed. <laughs> and he was an older guy and he looked at me and he said, we're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not alone. 
you know, if we, if this place closes or if we lose our jobs, like, I mean, we all have to go find another job somewhere. And that's when I realized, okay, that vulnerability, that's real. You know, it's not perceived. So I shared that with the somebody in the world and they, they confirmed it. They said, yeah, that's, that's real. And even someone who was at a different stage in their life, who you thought maybe was quote unquote beyond, better well, off. Yeah. Yes. Or, or beyond They've passed the vulnerability stage is what I thought, right? <laughs> Little then, did you know. Yeah. So so that's point number two. Exposing your vulnerability will show the world who you really are. Number three is exposing your vulnerability will show you who you really are. And this one, you you can't just let it rattle around in your head. You have to say it out loud. And it works best in a room by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but talk about, say the things or write them down. I'm a fan of writing it down and put it on paper so you can read it back to yourself. The things that make you feel vulnerable in the world, you know, what are they? List them and, and read them. And then sometimes when you write something down and you reread it to yourself, you say, that's crazy. That could <laughs> never happen. You know, what am I worried about? Everyone's going to shun everyone who's right-handed and only left-handed people will get jobs. Like that, that, that's not real. That can't happen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so if you have a vulnerability a re- and you think it's real, if you write it down and then read it back to yourself, and you, but then sometimes you might write it down and say, hey, that, that is real. That could happen. You know, that I should maybe do something to mitigate that. But again, you can't eliminate vulnerability. It will always be there. It's your friend, but you can mitigate vulnerability. So if you write it down, it, it might help you understand it. Yes. And I think that that level of awareness and understanding is, I, I feel so key when we are talking about vulnerabilities. Last but not least on how vulnerability can actually serve and benefit you is that if you don't feel vulnerability, you are also shutting down your positive emotions. So this was an aha moment for me when I watched the Brene Brown TED Talk. I didn't realize this, but in in shutting down the the emotion of vulnerability, which your body kind of perceives it as a negative emotion, you actually, you can't just, it's not like a, a breaker panel where you can just turn off certain switches. You either turn them all off or they're all on. So you actually, if you can get rid of a vulnerability, if you can get it out of your life, you've also got all the positive emotions go with it. They're a, they're a match set. They all leave at the same time. So you end up, you become this, you, you get rid of all the positive emotion in your life I don't know what you're left with. It's it's not a place I want to be. That's really, really powerful. And, and, and again, something that you don't necessarily assume because we assume that we we only want the good emotions and not necessarily bad, but we don't understand that they go hand in hand. Just There's that saying where if you've never experienced bad, then you don't know what good feels like. So that is our list on how vulnerability serves you. We've moved all the way from defining what vulnerability is, signs you might be feeling financially vulnerable, and what those could look like and play out like in your own life. We moved on to talking about the financial vulnerability cycle, along with talking about vulnerability through stages of your life and the fact that we always will feel vulnerable. And finally, we concluded with how vulnerability serves you. On that note, thank you so much for being here with us on today's show where we discussed everything about financial vulnerability, 
the show notes will from this episode will the notes from this episode will be in our show notes. You can refer back to them. Again, we will link the TED Talk from Brene Brown. Super, super powerful. That'll be in the show notes as well. And if there's any other things that that really strike you when you're listening to today's episode related to financial vulnerability, we would love to to have that conversation with you. You can always reach out to us via our um, social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Always feel free to send us a, uh, a message on there. It's at Simple Money Solutions. You can send us an email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or reach out to us through our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple. Simple.